0: Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message, but before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the Word together.
1: Well, there's some things I want to get to today that I'm not sure we will. Um, (laughs) It's all good. You know it's all good for us? The church? Let me say that again. You know that for the church, everything's good. It's all good for the church. It's all good news for the church. We have a bright, bright future. Did you know that? you got to think about that on a regular basis, right, when you're tempted to be down or depressed or upset about what's going on. It is all good news for us. Thank you, Lord. You know, we get words like this um, where the Lord just continues to tell us, and not just our church, but many churches, many prophecies where the Lord is talking about, not in the distant future he's coming, but in the, in the near future he's coming, right? And you can't, you can't look around the earth and see the signs and the signals and what's going on and not see that. I mean, you just you really have to be head in the sand, not paying attention. And you know, when you wear a Jesus hat, like I do sometimes, you get a lot of people come to you and you talk to a lot of different types of Christians, right? Christians like to talk to people with Jesus hats on. I don't know why that is, but it just is. And people be- believe a lot of stuff. There's a lot of Christians that, that are not even thinking about Jesus coming back. That's just someday, somewhere in the sweet by and by. Yeah, and it's just, it's just not how God wants us to think and act and talk. It, the scriptures that were written where um, that the thief comes in the night, you know, and that, that'll be like the Son of Man coming, those scriptures, they take those to heart. And if you don't continue reading that passage, it says we're not children of the night. We're children of the day. We're not going to be overtaken as a thief. We will know. So this is just encouragement that as we study faith and we, and we learn to use our faith and work with our faith from the scriptures so that God can continue to use us for his glory, that it's all with the understanding that Jesus is about to come back and we have a job to do. Man, the time is short. I mean, there's a good chance in the next 12 months we're out of here. I mean, I've been through this, I've spent weeks on this, and I can lay it all out for you. There's a reason why God put stars in the sky, and the moon goes around the earth, and there's reasons why there's signs and signals. It's not to just tease us with the potential, it's to tell us He's coming. Amen? Yeah. You know, that we're right now, we're, we started, at the beginning of September, we started uh, the seventh year of what the Jews call a Shemitah cycle. It's seven-year cycles. God does, does time in sevens. He's done time in sevens for a long time. We see that in Scripture when he explained this to Daniel, when Daniel had his vision of the end times and what would happen. Do you, remember, you guys remember reading some of that? And he, gave, he told Daniel it would be, four, uh, be 490 years, 490 years before Jesus' second coming. Well, Jesus came the first time at 483 years. They can map this out. From the time of Daniel's prophecy when he said the clock would start and when the clock would stop, Jesus came the first time as the sacrificial lamb at 483 years. That's when he, the, the week before he went to the cross, that's when the clock stopped. Why did the clock stop? Because we're in the church age. That God is dealing with the world with grace and mercy for the last 2,000 years because of what Jesus did. He took all sin, all punishment, all shame. He took it all. And we went into grace mode for 2,000 years. But God still owes the Jewish people seven years of old covenant time. And that seven years is seven years of tribulation. It's in Revelation. It's from the time from when the church leaves to when Jesus comes back and puts his foot on the planet. Not meets us in the air, but comes down and puts his foot on Mount Olives. So we just started in this September, we just started the seventh the seventh year of a seven-year window of time. They've been counting Shemitah cycles uh, for a long time, a long time. And the, the blood moons we saw in 14 and 15, that tetrad of blood moons, and again, I don't have time to get into that today. We'll do a series about it again, or you can go back and listen to it. But there was, there was four blood moons in a row over feast dates, and that's only happened eight times since Jesus was on the planet. And we had three of them happen since 1949, three of them out of the eight. So the last one was in 14 and 15. 15 was the end of that cycle, that blood moon cycle, and we're in that, we're heading toward that seventh, we're in that seventh year, and God does everything by sevens. He always does things by sevens. When the first two temples were destroyed, it happened at the end of the seventh year cycle of a Shemitah cycle, both times, both times. So I'm just, I'm just saying this to you because I think it's important to pay attention to the signs. And we're in the the seventh year of a Shemitah cycle, seven years from the last sign we got from the moon, which God uses all the time. He uses signs and signals from the stars in the heavens. We're in that last year. And there's tons of prophecies going forth. He's at the door. He's at the door. Jesus is close. So this could be your last year on the planet. And the question I'm asking you that is, what are you doing about it? Is it just life as normal? Or do you want to do something different? I mean, if we, if we put it in perspective, right? If we knew that we only had a month to live, right? they, they make movies out of this stuff, yeah. right? What do you do with a month to live? And people figure out what their bucket lists are, and they do all this crazy stuff, and give stuff away, and spend money, and do all kinds of stuff. What would you do as a believer knowing eternity is before you? How do you respond? How do you act? How do you treat people? How do you talk to people? Amen. We got to constantly keep this in perspective because we are the last generation. We're it. This doesn't go on for another 100 years. This doesn't go on for another 10. This is almost over. That's good news for us. It's bright for us, but it means we got a job to do because how we live in eternity, it will matter what we do here. It will matter how we love, how we obey God, how we follow his plan for our lives. You don't have any time to waste. All the stuff we think we're worrying about is... It's really nothing. And we gotta we gotta follow God. We gotta do what He asked us to do. Man, it's a wild time to be alive. We got a whole bunch of people in heaven cheering us on. Saying, Go get it. Go get it. This is it. This is the end. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesus.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm gonna keep reminding you of it. I say it every week at the end. Jesus is coming soon. And that is not half hearted. That is to remind us every week, live your week like Jesus is coming tomorrow. Amen. Pretty good? Hebrews 5 verse 12. <clears throat> this is Paul telling us that there are first principles. He's telling us that we can grow up into spiritual maturity in a short matter of time if we'll pursue him and follow him. If we'll walk in first principles. Because he tells them, you guys ought to be teachers by now, but someone needs to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come again to need milk and not solid food. So we're learning some first principles. We're learning some things about faith. Amen? Amen. And it's helping us because if we understand how faith, what faith is and how it comes and that you, it's got to be released, then we can learn some things about faith. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you, Lord. So last, last week we looked at um, our faith need and support. Our faith needs support and action, that our faith is supported by the promiser and the promises, right? God is faithful, is he not? Come on, he is faithful. We have to judge him faithful. We have to judge him faithful. He has never failed. He has never let you down. If you think he has, you are mistaken. There is something else going on you're unaware of. There is something else at play that you don't know about because God never fails. Amen? Amen. But he will not violate his word he will not cross the line of what he has already said in the word of God. you right. He won't violate people's will, not yours and not someone else's. He won't do it. He won't do it. He will follow his word, but he has never failed. So he's faithful. And if he's faithful, then the promises are sure. They are yes, and they are amen in Christ Jesus. So we can trust him, right? So that's the support that builds up under our faith is that God is faithful and that his promises are true then we can have confidence in what we believe in. We can have confidence in what the Word of God says, right? So we know that faith is what we believe, simply boiled down to what we believe. We know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, it matters what we hear, how we hear it, and whether we receive it as truth or not, yes? And then we've learned that faith needs to be released. That's what we, that's what we stepped into last week. We crossed over the line of, okay, we need to get faith. We've got faith. Now we've got to do something with it. We have to do something with the faith. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We found out that our mind will always calculate the largest, the largest obstacle we'll have to overcome to achieve the promise of God. Right? Our brain. Always figuring it out. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? But never let that obstacle be bigger than God. Yeah. Ever. Right? That's where we make the mistake, is we start seeing the obstacle and we're like, ooh, I don't know. This, this, this. I don't know anybody that's overcome that. The doctor says that's incurable. Right? I mean, these are, these are real things, are they not? Yeah. These are obstacles in our way to fulfilling the plan of God for our lives. The danger comes when we put that ahead of the promise of God, that God is bigger. Yeah. Right? Introduce your mountain to the Lord. He's big enough. That's right. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. So then we started diving into faith must be released. Faith must be released. We looked at this in the Passion Translation, 2 Corinthians 4 13 says, we have the same spirit of faith that described that is described in the scriptures when it says, First I believed and then I spoke in faith. We so we also first believe and then speak in faith. That's the passion. First I believed, then I spoke in faith. We also believe and speak in faith. Come on, say that with me. We also also believe believe. and and speak in faith. Come on, that's important. That's an important part of what we believe because you can have a lot of faith on the inside, because you put the word in and you believe some things. But if it doesn't make your mouth move, if you don't begin to speak what you believe, it is not in motion. It's just in here hanging out, getting tired, getting stagnant. It can get stagnant. Your faith needs to be refreshed. That's why we need to hear and hear by the word of God. It needs to be a, a continual flow of the word of God that flows into our lives, refreshing what's on the inside. And really the best way to do it, to keep that fresh is to continue to release your faith because then it's a flow. It's on the way in and it's on the way out. It's working, right? You ever been in the woods and had to drink out of a creek? Six of you, right? Get in the woods for crying out loud. It's nice around here. Sometimes, sometimes you're thirsty and you find a creek and you can drink out of these things. But if it's, if it's not moving, um, I'll wait, right? Or I got iodine tablets for that. But when that, when that, when that thing's moving, it's got some, some momentum. There, there's a good chance that you've got some fresh, clean water. True? It's the same with our spirits. Let the word come in, but let it also flow out. You will notice a rejuvenation to your life when you begin to speak what you believe on a regular basis. When you begin to use your words to speak out the promises of God over your life and over your kids' lives and over your parents and over your family and over your neighbors and over your work. When you begin to speak, there's a refreshing and a flow that comes out of that that is rejuvenating to your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we saw this, that there's two sides of faith, the obtaining side and the releasing side. I think Christians, by and large, have been okay at the, at the obtaining side. We have figured out we need to hear preaching and teaching of the word. We've figured out we need to spend some time in our Bibles. We can see some things in there. Amen? But we've been sorely lacking on the releasing side, on the action side. God, how do you want me to release this faith so that it's working for me? We've missed some things. This is why Jesus talked about the saying part in those scriptures in Mark 11, 23, and 24, three times more than he did the believing side. Because we've got to focus on the saying part more believers naturally believe. We're good at that. The saying part, mm, we're good at saying things. They're, that's not all good, but we're good at, we're good at talking. We just got to learn how to say the right stuff. Right. Amen? Amen? Agreeing with what God said. That's right. And that is easier said than done, I'm telling you right now. But if you don't get a grip on your lips soon, you're going to just keep repeating the same stuff over and over again. Are you guys Okay. Never again claim any ailment or any diagnosis as yours ever again. Never say my this, my sciatic, or my diabetes, or my bum knee, or my migraines. Never, ever say my ever again. Get it out of your vocabulary. Completely remove it. I've been redeemed from migraines. I've been redeemed from the bum knee. I've been redeemed, right? This is what we say. You have been redeemed. If you don't start lining up with what God says, you are going to have the same stuff over and over again, because you keep reinforcing it by saying, my. You see how powerful this is? Thank you, Lord. Romans 10.10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Can you get saved without confessing Jesus is your Lord? What if you believe he's the Lord? What if you believe he's God? What if you believe there is a God, and there is a Holy Spirit, and there is a... A son. Are you saved? You got to say it. There's a confession part of that. There's a reason why there's a scripture where Jesus said in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Didn't we do all these things? There was something they believed and they had this outward appearance of doing things, but they did not confess Jesus as their Lord. And his words were, depart from me. I never knew you. That's a big deal. That means you can hang around a place like this and see some tremendous things and even feel the presence of God. But if you haven't for yourself from your heart confessed him as your Lord, you're in trouble. This is how we get saved, born again, come into the kingdom. Confession, it's a big deal. That word saved, if he who confesses will be saved, that word comes from the Greek word sozo. And it means soundness, (laughs) preservation, healing deliverance, safety, rescue, to do well and to make whole. It's all those things. When he says you are saved, you are healed and delivered and redeemed to be made well and made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. This is how we get saved, with our words, with our words. That means we're going to have to keep using our words, right? You know, it's okay for you to to confess your salvation, not that you're getting saved over and over again, but you should say it on a regular basis. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm redeemed. Jesus died for me. I'm one of his. There's something that stirs up on the inside of you that's amazing when you reaffirm that for yourself. Thank you, Lord. Turn to James chapter two. You guys okay? Thank you, Jesus. We'll be using faith for all of eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 14, James two fourteen. We have to remember that the Word of God will form beliefs in our heart. Yeah. And when those, for, when those beliefs are formed, those beliefs will govern how you think, how you talk, and how you act. So if you're allowing your, your life to be formed by something other than the Word of God, they will form beliefs in you. If we spend time too much time in the world, thinking about the things of the world, thinking about business, thinking about work, thinking about the property, thinking about you know, the truck, thinking about the stuff, we spend too much time thinking about that, it will form beliefs in you that will dictate how you think, how you talk, and how you act. And there's a whole world full of believers... Are not, they are not seeing Jesus so close as he is. It's, it's not affecting how they think and how they talk and how they act. And we, and we do. The Bible says we, it's easy to get caught up in the cares of this life. It is easy to do. Trust me, it is easy. You know it, I know it. It's easy. But man, we got to stay focused on what's important. Man, we got to stay focused on what people are the most important thing. How you love is important. How you love people is important. It's the most important thing. Because even the subject of faith, you can't even get your faith to work if you're not walking in love. We can talk about your believer and your speaker all the time, but if you're in unforgiveness and bitterness and you're treating people poorly, good luck. Because it doesn't work. Love's the engine that drives it all. Love's the engine that drives everything we're talking about. From the beginning of this book to the back, love. Love. And people will ask you. The Lord will ask you how you loved, how you loved your spouse and your kids and your coworkers and your neighbors and your extended family. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And love is important. Seeing people and loving people, having a heart for people. Jesus saw the crowd. He, moved, he was moved with compassion. And what happened when he was moved with compassion? God showed up. Healing showed up. Deliverance showed up. Keep love and proper perspective, Amen. Verse fourteen says, "What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him?" That's a question. What does it profit if you got faith, you have no works? Can faith save him? The understood is nope. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be warmed and filled." but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? What does it profit? You know, in Bible school, we used to joke about this verse a little bit because, you know, we're all, we're all in Bible school. We're all training for ministry. We're all, you know, we're there for the same reason. I mean, we'd leave a gathering or something just out of jest, out of joking. We'd say, be warmed and filled. <laughs> be warmed and filled. Because he's telling us, don't do that to the people that are in need. We were saying it to each other because it was funny to us. But he's making a really important point. If you haven't done anything and you're just saying, depart in peace, be warm and filled, and you haven't helped them with a need, that's an action. That's an act of your faith. What good does it do? Then he says this, thus also faith, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now dead is not non-existent. Dead doesn't mean it's non-existent. It just means it's lifeless. It's not functioning. It's It's useless. It's just sitting there, right? When somebody dies, that doesn't mean they they didn't exist. It means their body goes in the ground. It's still there, parts and pieces, but it's there. Not doing anything. That's what he's saying. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Turn over to Genesis twenty-two. Abraham. I want you to see what he says. He says some things in faith that are amazing. We need to get a hold of Genesis chapter 22. I hear pages turning. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's all the way to the back. <laughs> oh, back to the front. Okay, here we go. Verse 1. Abraham, uh, Abraham's faith confirmed. Verse 1. 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass. In these things that God tested Abraham, and said to him, Abraham, and he said to him, Here am I, or here I am, and he and the Lord said, Now take your son, your only son Isaac. He's making very clear the prom the promised son, right? Because he had Ishmael already. Remember, right? He did that one on his own. God still blessed him, but he's talking about Isaac. He says, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now that's a hard thing to hear from the Lord. He's asking him to take the son of promise to a mountain and sacrifice him as if he was a lamb or a ram, which they have done before. So there's no argument between verse 2 and verse 3, there's no discussion. Verse 3 says So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of of which God had told him. He did it right away. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Now pay attention to this. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. You need to underline that and highlight that in your Bible. We're going to go yonder, and we will come back to you. That's a statement of faith, because he knows what God has asked him to do. Do you see that? This is how we need to talk. We need to see a promise and say, this is how it's turning out. This is how it's turning out, because this is a promise. Abraham knew this was the promise seed. This was the one that God promised him, that he, in all the nations of the earth will be blessed through this child. And Lord knows, he's way over 100 now. He goes, we ain't doing this again. That was hard enough. I mean, feedings at two o'clock in the morning. Uh Uh-uh, we ain't doing that again. This is the one. But I love his attitude. Stay here, we will be back. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it on on Isaac and his son, or took the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, so he's going to carry it, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham and said to his father, my father, he said, here I am, son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Here's another statement of faith right here, highlighted and underlined. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He knew what God was going to do, but he was willing to follow through with what God said. That's a big deal. God will provide. He's still going to follow through. But we're coming back together, and God will provide. This is a statement of faith, because he knows the promise, and he's not wavering at the promise through unbelief. God will do what he said. turn back to hebrews 11 hebrews 11 the hall of fame of faith talking about abraham again this tells us right here what was on abraham's mind verse 17 by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac and he who had received the prom- and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son interesting verbiage isn't it only begotten son of whom it all was said In Isaac, your seed shall be called. That was the promise. Concluding, here it is, verse 19. Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. (laughs) Abraham knew, if God has me go through with this, this boy, this son, God will raise from the dead. If he's proven me, if he's tested me that I will give up my son, that he will raise him from the dead and we will be back. Are you hearing me? Yeah. This is faith. This is how faith talks. Yeah. If he hadn't have said some of this stuff, the outcome's different. Right. It's different. Yeah. But he knew in his heart, God will raise him up. If, it, if I go all the way through this and follow through with what God's asked me to do, God will raise this kid from the dead because he promised me he's the seed. Yeah. This is the attitude and the grip we need to have on the promises of God for our lives. Jesus did pay the price. He did wash away the sin. He did pay the price on his back for your healing. That attitude of this will come to pass no matter what, even if he has to make me a brand new spine, my back is healed and whole in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus. Do you hear me? If it's got to be a brand new foot, it's healed and whole in the name of Jesus. And I will see it, it's coming to pass right now. It's a different talk. We're not waiting and sitting around. We're speaking what we believe and declaring by faith the promises of God. This is what he needs out of us. Come on, this is what he needs out of you. As disciples, right? We can declare by faith, I am a disciple of the living God, of Jesus Christ himself. He speaks to me and I know his voice and I'm led like a lamb and his shepherd leads me, right? My shepherd leads me, my shepherd leads me. This is how we got to talk. Thank you, Lord. Faith and works are together. They're coupled together. They have to be together. They have to be together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So where were we? We were in James chapter 2. Let me go back there real quick. James chapter 2. He said... In verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Man, that's a big deal. Verse 25, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith must be released. Must be released. Believe it in your heart, absolutely. But you've got to speak it out of your mouth. That's the primary way we're going to release our faith is with our mouth. There are times when God will call you to action. He will get you to get up off your rusty dusty and go across the street to a neighbor whose dogs you don't like, whose kids are a terror to the community, and to speak something into their lives that no one else will. Because you know God and nobody else around them does. That's love in action. You know, I mentioned this before, that movie, The Free Burma Rangers, which I encourage you to rent it and watch it. Probably not with the kids, but watch it. Because these guys are in war-torn, horrible areas, risking their lives, bringing medicine and food and the gospel to people that are hurting and dying. And they put their lives on the line to do this because of the love of God that's on the inside of them. Love compels them to do things they would not normally do. Rescuing kids in crossfires during wartime situations, going in and risking their own lives, getting shot to save other people. There's just something about love that will compel you to do something, right? So we got people in the body of Christ that are risking their lives to do this. They're risking their lives under gunfire and and risking the chance of just not coming home to their families and yet we have a hard time talking to our neighbor. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you're really in fear of getting shot from your neighbor, you might want to wait for the right opportunity. <laughs> but most of the time, it's not that. It's just fear of embarrassment on us. That's really all it is. But that's not love. That's love in yourself. That's us caring about how we feel more than their eternity. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to say amen to that. It was good anyway. (laughs) Faith and no works means no change. If there's not action to what we believe, no change. What does the world call Christians that don't live out what they say? Hypocrites. And sadly, we've lived to that on occasion. Let it not be so. We have to love people so much that we're willing to share our faith even when they don't want to hear it. Because we care about them. We care about them. The bridge is out. We've seen it for ourselves. We're coming back in traffic to stop people that are doing 90 miles an hour toward the bridge that will not be able to get stopped in time to try to get them to slow down and stop and pay attention to the signs. Jesus is the answer. You know, we would do that in the natural, we've got to do that spiritually speaking. Get in front of some cars, spiritually speaking, <laughs> and say the bridge is out. the The track of your life is not good. I heard a a, a magician and comedian. His name's um, his last name's Penn. I can't remember his first name. Penn and Teller. You guys heard of Penn and Teller? Yeah. Some guy came to one of his one of his shows one time and waited till the end and waited until everybody left and then gave him a Bible and told him about Jesus this guy's a staunch atheist, but he was respectful of the guy's position and just heard him out and he said, thank you very much and appreciated it. And when he was retelling the story of how this guy came two different times to share the gospel with him because he knows he needs Jesus. He's relaying the story. He goes, I haven't converted. I'm an atheist. But he says, it tells me something about what he believes because what he believes is that I'm on a path to hell of eternity and separation from God in a horrible place. And he believes that so much That he's willing to risk ridicule and stick around to tell me about what he believes because he believes he's saving me from something horrific. And he said, I respect that because there's a lot of Christians that don't. They could care less. They're making it to heaven. What about you? You see the difference? That's what the world's looking for. They might get in your face and be upset, but you can tell them, How much do I have to hate you to really believe this and say nothing to you? To really believe you're going to hell. And you're going to be there forever, and I'm not going to say anything to you. How much do you have to hate a person? I mean, do we really believe there's a heaven and a hell? Are we making this stuff up? No, it's true, isn't it? Then we got to love people and get in their face sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, everywhere you go. Come on, you got to listen to the Holy Spirit for yourself. But there are people you have to stand up to and tell them. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> John 12, 42. How are we doing for time? We're already there. Thank you, Jesus. John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Religious leaders saw Jesus, believed he was the Messiah, and they didn't confess him because they didn't want to lose their place at church? Wow. There's something about confessing Jesus as your Lord to people that don't believe. That's powerful. Man, this is our faith at work. There's more to be said about this, plenty more, and we'll get to it all, I promise you. But we've got to make sure we're speaking what we believe know it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth. And I'm not talking just about two people, but out of your mouth on a regular basis, when you're in the car and you're at home, speak out the things that God has put on your heart, who you are in Christ Jesus. It's okay to agree with God with who you are. It helps you, it helps build you up and build up your faith. Praying in the spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost is another thing that edifies and builds and encourages your spirit. It's important as believers that we maintain and use that gift, amen? Amen. But this is, these are words. These are things we are speaking out of our mouths, seeing God move and work. When we do that, the engine is working. That's right. It is working. Angels are working on your behalf. God and his word is working on your behalf to accomplish his plan and purpose in your life when you are speaking the things of God. So again, another assignment for all of y'all here with, every, with your spouses and your family and the people around you. You have been deputized to make sure You are checking up on each other, watching what you say. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Speak what you believe. Don't speak fear. Don't speak discouragement. Don't speak depression. Speak what you believe. Jesus is coming back for us. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's right at the door. I got a job to do. And he's emboldened me and empowered me to do it, to speak up, to speak out, to share the love of God. He's emboldened me to do it.
0: Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com connect, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and remember, Jesus is coming soon.